Well, church, we get the privilege of talking about a story that is probably really familiar. All of us, if not all, most of us are, uh, you already know this story. It's a beautiful story, and this nativity scene represents this story uh, in a beautiful way. By the way, beautiful nativity scene. Um, But it represents it, regardless of your background, your age, regardless of your upbringing, regardless of your feeling about God, your feeling about the church, uh, this, chances are, is a story that's familiar. Kids, you know this story too, right? It's a story of baby Jesus. It's a story of, of Mary and Joseph around this manger with shepherds and angels and animals and and all of that. And so this morning, I get to talk to you about a story that you already know. But before we look at this story, I want to talk about why. Uh, Why? Why are we going to talk about this story? Because my hope is is that this is much more than just a tradition. Uh, My hope is, is that this is not just us coming and checking off, okay, I heard a Christmas sermon this year, right? Uh, my hope is this goes far beyond that. Uh, it would be a fail if, it, if the only thing that happened today is for you to come here and as you leave to feel more Christmassy. That would be a miss. Uh, there's nothing wrong with feeling Christmassy. Please don't get me wrong. I mean, that's, we love feeling Christmassy. But if you walk out of here and that's what you take, then we've missed it. Uh, I want to, uh, let's think of it like this. So I've, I've told you before my love for the movie Elf. Okay, especially around this season, what I do is I put this, it's kind of tradition, I've seen it a hundred times, I'll put it on in the house, I don't even need to watch it, I could probably quote it by now, I don't even need to watch it, but I put it on, and it just plays in the house, and I like the, the mood it puts in the house, it gets our house feeling like it's the time of the year, you know, it is, it is the season, um, and, and I just love having it on the background. My fear, though, is that our story, this story, can kind of start to become like Elf, in the sense that it's tradition, that uh, we like it, we could probably quote it, uh, we like having it on in the background because it sets a mood for us and makes us feel Christmassy, um, but we've stopped engaging with it. We've stopped engaging with it, and, and sometimes we... we we, we start to miss the reason that it matters. Uh, my goal this morning, here it is, just right up front, um, and this is why this morning's important. This is why my hope is that we all lean into this together because the truth is, is that although the vast majority of our world knows about this story, too few of us understand why this story matters or makes any difference whatsoever. And so, church, if I were to ask you, so what? Would you know what to say? If I were to look at this scene, this nativity scene, and say, so what? How would you respond? How would you answer that? Because if this story, and it is, is worthy to be told in every household and and through thousands of years, through generation and generation, we tell this story, why does it matter so what? Regardless of where you are this morning, Regardless of what you, co- you came in the door with this morning, uh, my hope is, is that as you leave, as you walk out of this place, that you will be able to answer the so what question. The so what question. Because if we can answer that, then we can truly understand the heart of what all of this is about. 
If we can answer that, then we can truly understand how this makes a difference for us today. If we understand that, we can do that. And so having said that, I want to look at that story that was just beautifully read for us in in Luke 2. And I just want, as I do, I know when I turn Elf on and I let it play, I don't have to watch it. But every once in a while, when you watch it, you realize why I loved it. I want you to do that here in this moment. Would you engage with this story and picture it? And out of that, we'll talk about why it then matters. So starting right in verse 8, it says, um, and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch of their flock, which, by the way, before we go any further, um, shepherds were not the most awesome citizens, Okay, they, uh, we kind of glamorize them, but these guys were dirty, they were grimy, they were most of the time very dishonest, they were viewed as unclean. These people were not, you know, the who's who in society. Uh, I think we glamorize shepherds because in the Bible, you know, the Lord is our shepherd, it's our good shepherd. We see uh, the shepherd boy David, he was awesome, so shepherds must be aw- well, Culturally, no. Shepherds were not awesome in that day. These were not, um, put it this way, these guys weren't high on the social ladder. In fact, they were pretty low. Uh, They were low on the, I'll put it like this. If I were God, it's a dangerous statement to make, but if I were God and I were going to come down and like tell people about my plan and announce my son being born, I probably wouldn't have chosen these guys. I might have picked some maybe more uh, respectable people, but no, but no. And right off the bat, there's a beauty in this in that these shepherds perfectly represented the kind of people that Jesus actually came to save. The lowly. He came for the sick and the broken and needy. He came for people like me. Um, And spiritually, we are very much the shepherds. And so right off the bat, in that way, these shepherds are a perfect representation of us. And we'll unpack that here in a moment, but they continue. So here they are. They're in the field. They're watching. Verse 9, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. I love this because as we've been talking about for several weeks now, um, the whole point as we've been looking at Advent is that God has a plan. From the beginning, God had a plan through creation, through Adam and Eve, through uh, Noah, Abraham, Moses, the judges, the kings, the prophets, all the way through. Your entire Old Testament goes and points you to this one beautiful grand plan, and that is that there is a Messiah coming. He was the plan. Plan A, no other plan. This was the plan. Uh, And everything is pointing us to this moment, and here... Right here in this moment, God comes and reveals his plan. God moves, he speaks, and his glory is revealed, just dropped. And so we see this in scripture a lot, that when God is revealing himself to people, uh, he will sometimes just drop his glory right on them, just boom. Uh, I, I think of Moses. Uh, I think of Moses at the burning bush or on the mountain, uh, Mount Sinai, but he just drops. Here's why this is important, though. This was God's glory, God himself, meaning that God himself was making himself known, tangible, powerful, that the plan and power of God himself was setting the stage for what was about to happen. God's glory fell in this, in this moment. Um, And in verse 10, the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy 
That will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, it's Bethlehem, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And so the, the angel says, I bring to you good news. Something I found interesting is that word good news. That word is later translated in our Bibles as the word gospel. So it's the exact word. So gospel literally meaning good news. And so it's like the angel here is saying, listen, I'm bringing to you the gospel. I'm bringing to you the gospel. The gospel is Jesus Christ. And he says it, that this will be a sign for you. Uh, and by the way, for those of us in this room, and I, when I say us, I'm including myself in this number, that are not, maybe we're just more city people. Maybe you're not like accustomed to farm talk or mangers or what that means. Uh, I kind of think of mangers as kind of retro cribs, like retro wooden cribs. They're kind of cool. They weren't. Um, A manger is literally, like literally, the trough that horses eat out of. I've seen one of those. Um, Literally a trough that horses, cows, they would they would eat out of this this thing. It's it's literally a trough. Uh, and so the Savior of the world is being just laying down, lying down in a trough. And the angel said, that's going to be your sign. Why would that be a sign? Well, this is simple. Um, because babies in troughs aren't normal. <laughs> right? You don't see that every day. You don't see it. So the angel says, when you see that, you're going to know. You're going to know. That's Jesus. Uh, Let's, let's continue, 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And I love this too because the only real proper thing to do in response to the glory of God being dropped down on you, whether you're man, woman, angel, anything, um, is to just start praising and worshiping we're going to get back to this, but it's what a scene this was. And as the angels went away, in verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. I mean, that's a pretty, I would do the same. Uh, this is interesting, which the Lord has made known to us. Now, keep in mind, it was the angels that spoke to these men. It was the angels who came and, and said this, but the shepherds understood that this was the Lord speaking. They understood that this was God. This was an act of God. God did this. And so they went. In verse 16, they went with haste, as I would, uh, went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child, talking about what the angels had just said. And so they, these shepherds who, who heard, were there in this scene when the angels They heard it all, and they said, we've got to go check this out. And so they went, and when they showed up, it was exactly the way that the Lord had told them it would be. You have a baby in a trough. You have the parents gathered around. And these men instantly begin telling everyone the good news. In a very sense, they are sharing the gospel in this moment. They're taking what um, they had seen and the good news that they had heard about Jesus, and they are telling it, and listen Listen to this, verse 18. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Um, So all who heard wondered. This is a 
could be an awkward translation. Uh, a better way to think of it is looked on with wonder, right? Uh, they were marveled, they marveled at, they were amazed at, that was their response. What were they amazed at? They were amazed at the good news that had just been told. Um, but Mary, most of all, like you get this sense, she is just taken up in what had just happened treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart, um, taking it all in, taking in the fact that an angel appeared to her, this miraculous conception, this miraculous birth. She's just taking all this in, taking in everything that had happened up to this point, and she just ponders it all in her heart. You have to wonder, what on earth could she be pondering? What on earth could she be pondering in this moment? It doesn't tell us, but you, you think, I mean, if we were in, what is life going to look like now? God, what do you have for this child? Look at everything that has happened around this child's birth. What on earth is going to happen? Like just taking everything in, pondering the good news that she had heard. And then our story ends in, in verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Our scene ends with the shepherds doing the same thing the angels were doing. Um, Worshiping, praising God, and it's a beautiful, amazing scene. Just an incredible scene. Um, But remember, though, as we asked at the beginning, I'm going to ask it again. As beautiful as it is, so what? Uh, Why does this story matter? Why does this story set apart why is it set apart from all of the other great stories? There are so many great stories, even biblical stories that we have that are just awesome. But why is this one set apart? Why does this one matter? Uh, why does this miraculous scene matter? I'm really glad you asked. Uh, <laughs> this matters because God will do what he said he will do. And this story represented in this nativity scene Uh, shows us that through Christ, both your salvation and our future are secure. Both your salvation and our future are secure. And I want us to look at this for a moment because this is very important. Uh, Let's start first with your salvation. So I don't know if you realize this, but when you see this, when you see this baby in this vintage wooden crib, When you see this, I don't know if you realize that this baby was born to die. That this scene, as beautiful as it is, represents the start of Easter. That this scene represents the start of Easter because he he came with a purpose and that purpose was to die. He was to live a perfect life. He was to die a brutal death. He was to take all your sin on his shoulders, paying your price so that you may be given forgiveness and grace. Uh, he was to die and, and be risen up miraculously from the dead so that one day you too will rise to meet him. He conquered death so the death could not conquer you. That, was, that is what is happening here. This is starting that mission because he was born to die. He was born so that you may live. When you see this scene, this, this beautiful scene, um, 
understand that this matters because if that baby boy hadn't come, that there would be no way for you to understand the joy of salvation in Christ. No way. But because Jesus came, not only are we able to know the joy of salvation in Christ in this life, but eternally. It matters deeply that he came. Death is not the end. And so if you do not know Christ this morning, if you've never responded to the gospel, responded to the good news, understand that Jesus Christ came for you, born to die, so that you may know, that you may follow, that you may enjoy God forever. No matter who you are, no matter what your past has looked like that brought you into this room, through Christ it is possible to know that your salvation is secure. And this nativity scene just puts an exclamation point to that. You don't have to wonder if you're going to be okay. You don't have to wonder if you're going to be okay. You don't have to wonder if you're good enough. You're not. Spoiler alert. You're not. And you don't have to be because he was good enough for you. That's what this represents, and through Christ, your salvation is, is secure, but that's not all, because your future is also secure. Uh, think about this. As we said, God came through on his word. God came um, exactly the way that he said he was going to send his son. Jesus came. When the whole world was stuck in silence, was stuck in doubt and fear, wondering what is going to happen, he came perfectly fulfilling every one of the prophecies that were spoken about him. And he shows up, he comes. Um, and this scene represents God coming through on his word. Have you ever been in a season of waiting? A season where you're wondering, waiting on God to come through, wondering if he will or not. Church, this scene represents the fact that our God comes through on his word. That our God comes through on his work. That he has not forgotten his promises. Um, that just as he did not forget about this, he will not forget the promises that he has made. This just screams that. That this should give us confidence as we look forward. He didn't spare his son, church. Um, we stand in a place, I don't know if you've thought about this, but what I call the space between. Okay, we stand in, we live in the space between. We live between two advents. All right, so the first is this, that Jesus came promised Messiah steps into the world. The second is when Jesus returns, that when he comes back. And we live right now in this already but not yet world, right? Through this, I mean, we, we are saved, but our salvation really isn't complete until this. And so we're in this, we're in this middle ground where we are born again, and we don't walk by the flesh, right? But Yet, we struggle, and yet we sin, and yet there is hurt and there is pain. I thought that Jesus fixed it. He did. But we're in this already not yet moment. We are in this space between, and we long, everything in us, whether you are a follower of Jesus or not, you long for closure, for things to be made right. You long for it. This is why in this season especially, there is so much expectation 
like so much expectation. When we take out Christmas decorations and we're, there's just this expectation in the air. And, but year after year, if we're honest, as we put up those Christmas decorations, there's this tinge of disappointment and sadness. There's this hint of, uh, of sadness and, and a little bit of disappointment because we wait for the day that we will no longer have to wait. Everything in us wants closure, wants this. So we're in the middle. We're in the space between, and we look back on the fact that he came, which gives us the confidence and the hope and the faith to know he will return. And it gives us the, the, the only way that we could stand here and wait well is to know that this happened. And now we look forward. And, and so, hear me, this is not probably the typical way to end a Christmas service. Maybe it should be, though. I mean, hey, I don't know who writes the rules on it. But um, we are going to, I want to read one more scripture with us. Uh, it's in Acts, Acts chapter, chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And so let me give you the context here as we, as we get there. So Jesus had just given his life. He had come, he had suffered, he'd been beaten, he gave his life, okay? Not only that, he was, he, was, he was crucified, he died, he rose. All of this has already happened. Um, and this is the scene where, where he goes back up into heaven. So this is a scene where he comes, and we're going to read about the scene when he goes back, okay? So Acts chapter 1, we'll start in verse 6. Uh, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus is saying, hey, in the waiting, here's what's going to happen. Okay, here's what's going to happen. We talked about this last week, that we are here to prepare ourselves and to prepare our world for him to come back. Jesus is saying, you're going to receive power to do that. Verse 9, though. And when he had said these things, as they were, were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. You don't see that every day. Um, verse 10. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, Two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? It's a no-brainer. I would be looking into heaven at this point. It says, This Jesus who was taken um, up from you into heaven will come in the same way you saw him go into heaven. You hear that? He will return. This scene matters because in the same way this literally happened, in the same way this is not a fairy tale, in the same way that we're talking about a literal moment in literal history, in literal time, this happened in that same way he is going to return. The Christmas story matters because we are waiting for his second advent and how do we not lose hope or confidence as we wait? We stand on the fact that our God is a God of his word. We stand on it. Um, He came just as he said he would. And 
uh, he will come again just as he said he will. And we stand on that. And when he comes, he's, by the way, not going to come as a beautiful, cute little baby. That's not the scene that our, that our scriptures paint. Uh, but he's returning as a ruling and reigning king. A perfect and all-powerful judge. This is the scene that, the picture of our Jesus that is coming. And I have good news. Christian, we will be with our God forever. We will be with our God forever because Jesus paid our price and accomplished our salvation and we will forever love and enjoy the presence of God. We will forever enjoy the love of God forever. This is going to happen. Church, as, as literally as this happened, that will happen. This will happen And for those who have rejected Christ, who have not responded to Christ, Jesus will return as a perfect and holy judge. And Jesus says himself, I want to read this, in Revelation 22. Let me give you the context for this. He is talking right here to those who are refusing to believe. Those who have rejected his gospel. He says, behold, I am coming soon bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. You get the sense this isn't the baby. But this is going to happen just as assuredly as this nativity scene happened. Church, this will happen. And so here's the reality. Jesus came and it matters because through his coming, your salvation and your future are perfectly and completely secure. Perfectly and completely secure. If you are here and you have never responded to the gospel, let this scene represent God's undying love for you. Never ending love for you. That he sent his son into the world to live the life you could not live, to die the death that you deserve, and to conquer death and to give you eternal life through his grace. Let this scene paint that. And the Bible says in Romans 10, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Will be saved. And so call on him this morning. We said this last week, but there's no hocus pocus to this. Like there's really not. There's not like a magical catchphrase that you have to say to be okay with God. It's not like that. It's simply coming to God, believing in Christ. Coming to God, believing in Christ, calling out, on him, on his name, as this verse says, to, to save you. Um, there's no formula. Come to God in your own words. From an honest place. That we come to God in an honest place. And if that's you, I, I just encourage you, now is the time. And I encourage you, don't leave this place. If you need to pray with someone, don't leave this place. We have people here. Find me. I will drop everything. I promise. But don't leave here. Find someone. Because this is more than simply a really cool story. It's, it's more than that. It's the true story of God becoming a man. Born so that you can live. Born to die in church. He's coming again. And I want to end our time together by remembering that uh, together. And so, church, would you stand with me? Um, on your seat, when you came in, hopefully... You did not sit on this. 
There should be a cup on your seat. Uh, this is not our typical way that we typically do communion here. Um, but if you did not get this as you came in, uh, would you slip your hand up? We have some guys that have some extras. We want to make sure that, that you have it uh, with you. But if you don't, just slip your hand up. Um, but we're going to end our time this morning by celebrating communion. And here at Stone Oak, you don't need to be a member with us to remember our Savior in communion. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you know the good news that we've been talking about this morning, um, then we invite you to remember him and celebrate him with us uh, this morning. And maybe you're here and you responded to the gospel for the first time this morning. I invite you to join us. I invite you to join us. Um, Church, he was born to die. He's, he was obedient to death, uh, even a brutal death on the cross, and he died for you so that you may become a son or a daughter of his. This is the good news, and this is the gospel, and so because of that, church, would you um, take the bread? First uh, Corinthians 11 says, the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. So this is the moments right before he was going to give his life. And when he had given thanks for it, he broke it. And he says, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do you pray with me? God, thank you for sending your son. Jesus, thank you for your body being broken for me. I have done nothing to deserve it. But you gave it because you are gracious and you are full of love. So as we take this, we remember your work, that you accomplished it all. And we remember your body that was broken. And so we take that, remembering you in Jesus' name. Amen. You take the bread with me. Now, would you take the cup? And later on in that same passage, he says, in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Church, would you pray? God, Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice, for shedding your blood for me. I'm so undeserving, yet you are so good. Through your blood, we have forgiveness of our sins. Through your blood, we know that every sin past, present, and future has been covered perfectly by your blood so that, God, when you look on us, you see holy, you see righteousness, because we are covered in blood. Father, thank you for your sacrifice. In Jesus' name, would you take the cup with me? Uh, Jesus finishes. And he says, as often as you drink or eat this bread and drink this cup, you, you, what? you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Pointing us again to the fact that, that he was born to die, he died so that you may live, and that he is coming. He's coming again. One last time, would you pray with me? God, thank you for sending your son this time of year when everyone pauses and we, we consider your son, um, God, becoming flesh and becoming a baby. And as we celebrate that, Father, I just thank you because it matters. It matters deeply. You are so good, God. 
focus our heart, focus our eyes on you. In Jesus' name, amen.